All right. Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing Wild Rain by Beverly Jenkins. Uh, But before we get into that book, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the PHX Nest Pod on Instagram and PHX Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at thephoenixnestpod at gmail.com. I forgot our own email address. The links to our social media can be found in the description along with the links to our Goodreads, as well as Mostly Books, our favorite independent bookstore here in Tucson. Cat, we're back. Yeah, it's been a hot minute here. It's, it's been a hot minute, and if it sounds weird, y'all, um, we're trying something new. Cat doesn't live in Tucson anymore, and I'm sad. Right, right, right. So if it <laughs> sounds strange, we're trying to get the sound back and try to figure out what we're doing. This is our first time recording separately, so um, if it sounds weird, I'm sorry. Um, but we read yeah, Wild it's a Rain. Little- little uh yeah it's a little loosey-goosey right now so we'll figure it out and we're sorry um how did you feel about wild rain i'm gonna be honest i did not really love it no no i liked it i thought it was well i think i read it too at a time where i really needed it like just something really light and fluffy and not super heavy on anything you think that was light and fluffy compared to some of the other shit that i've been reading yes listen there's a lot going on in this book and i mean kudos to her for doing some like historical romance she's really good at it it's just not my uh, cup of tea here not your cup of tea i also read it while i was reading like weird serial killer romances so okay well that's a different Uh, Do you want to read the synopsis on the back? Yeah. Alright, it says, (laughs) Banished by her grandfather at the age of 18, Spring Lee has survived a scandal to claim her own little slice of Paradise, Wyoming. She's proud of working her ranch alone and unwilling to share it with a stranger, especially one like Garrett McRae, who makes her second guess her resolve to avoid men. Garrett escaped slavery years ago and is now a reporter in Washington. He's traveled west to interview Dr. Colton Lee for an article, yet it's Lee's fearless sister, Spring, who captures his interest. Clad in denim and buckskins instead of dresses, she's the most fascinating woman he's ever met, and he's certain she also feels the connection that sizzles between them. But when a shadow from Spring's past returns, all is on the line, her ranch, her safety, and this wild, fierce love. Okay. So first off, let's start off by saying that we chose cowboy romances. Um, Yeah. Why did we choose this? We picked these forever ago. Um, If I remember correctly, we were trying to pick themes that went with the month. And so it must have been right when we stopped recording and then we kind of moved everything. Like we got rid of some stuff, right? Yeah. So some of the other themes that we had picked were like, we're just going to skip those. And I think we just pushed our, like, March rodeo-type stuff. We could have done Mafia. Mafia was supposed to be in June, but we took June off because it was hectic and crazy. Right. So, did we choose the right option if we went Mafia versus Western? Should we have gone with Mafia? I honestly don't know. I wouldn't know at this point. I'm almost a little bit glad that we didn't read Mafia, because some of these are kind of rough. 
but we'll see how this goes. So, yeah, Wild Rain, I enjoyed. I liked it a lot. It is about two people, one who lives on um, out in Wyoming in the middle of nowhere. Her name is Spring. Um, she is a ranch hand. And then we meet Garrett, and Garrett has never seen a woman wear pants before. Right. Well, she's not a ranch hand. She owns her ranch. And that's like a huge Yeah, she rarity. owns her ranch. Sorry. Because she's A, a woman, and B, a woman of color. Right. So it's kind of strange for Garrett to see that. And he, Garrett's on his way out to basically interview Spring's brother, who was a, a black doctor in the area. But... The brother is off doing other things because he's busy. He's the only doctor in the area. So yeah. he ends up getting caught in a snowstorm and spring takes him in. So it's a little bit of a forced proximity, if you will. Not too much, though. And slowly, he just kind of doesn't let spring go. He's like, I'm going to I love you. That's all there is to it. And spring's like, I don't need a man. I don't need anybody. Right. And he's like, but it could be me. And I'll stay if you want me to. And she's like, I don't need that. So as the story goes on, we do find that they do fall in love with each other because it's a romance. Why not? And he stays behind, even though his family doesn't like it. So that's kind of the gist of it. And it's it was kind of warm and fluffy, I thought. But also, I've been reading serial killer romances. So. I mean, compared to serial killer romances, this would definitely be considered like warm and you know, oh, so cute. Um, but I wouldn't go as far as to say it was, like, a super happy read. No, there's not. It's not, like, super, super happy. I mean, we talk about um, sexual assault. We're talking about um, death. Right. <laughs> We're talking, we've got murder at one point mm-hmm. at the end. There's all kinds of stuff that's going on. And... I think it was more the interaction between Spring and Garrett that was the light and fluffy. It was a very vast contrast, for sure. Yeah. How did you feel that this one held up versus Rebel, which we read last year? I think I like Rebel better. I think I like Rebel more as well. I still liked this one. I still had a good time with this one. But I think that Rebel was more of what we were looking for at that time for a historical. Because, you know, I hate historicals. But... This one had its own place. And uh, Beverly Jenkins is really good with giving you history lessons within her books. Yeah. That's kind of her thing. But I feel like I learned more out of Rebel than I did out of Wild Rain. I think so, too. I think yeah. there's a lot to be said as well, because this isn't the classic, um, how do I put it? Like, post-Civil War romance, like what we've read before. Um, this mm-hmm. is more like exploring how the West was running because like it was the Wild West and it was a lot of, you know, rich people trying to come in and take over. And it was at the time where, you know, she she chose the historic time where they had just put the natives on reservations. You know, they had forced yeah. them out of their own land. And so there was a lot going on in the background of this. And it was a lot more... Like, learning the interactions of free people um, who weren't so much touched by the Civil War or in a different way. Because, like, if you think she was Shoshonean Canadian, right? And so she had been born free and her family, a lot of her family had as well. And so that was something that was different that Garrett couldn't quite 
get a handle on for a while. That was really hard for him to try to understand what that meant to be born free. And it makes sense because of where he was at. But hearing his history and his story of how his family existed, if you will, um, his mother was sold as a slave. She was away. And after the father became free and after, you know, after the Civil War and everything and the freedom of slaves happened, they managed to track his mother down again. And at that time, she'd had another child because that was pretty common in that time frame where the woman would have another child, whether that be from someone else on the on the, the plantation or the actual slave owner themselves. But at no point does that stop the characters from being a family. Like, that's still his sister, that's his parents, and he's fine with that. And then there's Spring, who doesn't know what it means to be anything but free. So that was an interesting contrast between the two of them trying to figure out what that meant for themselves and their history. So them learning about each other, what that, you know, how their dynamic worked like that. Yeah. Um, What were some of the things that you didn't like about it? Um, I felt like one of the issues I had was that a lot of Rain's, uh, I guess we would say playfulness, was really just being bitchy. Like, really, really just being mean for the first, like, third of the book. Spring was like, this is my shit. Don't mess with me. Leave me alone. And I get why. And she was kind of, she didn't know how to be. Yeah, but she, like, she still had to learn to be, like, a nicer person. Because she wasn't a very nice person at the beginning. Yeah, well, and even when she was, like, joking with him. She's like, okay, I saved you from the snowstorm. She was mean about it. I don't think I liked her characterization so much as their interactions. Like, she was fine as a character. She just had some issues for me. But their interactions is what made it better for me, I think. Like, without Garrett, I don't know that I would have liked Spring. This one's one of the books where I feel like I would have been okay at the end if they didn't decide that they were going to get married. Is that weird? (laughs) If they didn't stay together. I don't think that's weird. I mean... They can't all be perfect. And we've had books like that before. Well, because, like, the whole point of romance novels is the HEA. Yeah. And you didn't feel like, like, you felt like this one, it would have been okay if they didn't have the HEA? Yeah. I mean, that's fair. But I feel like the HEA was kind of forced because, okay, so we have to go through a bunch of things (laughs) to get to why it doesn't make sense. Um, But so we find out, you know, Springs, or... Yeah, Springs had a pretty tough life, Mm -hmm. even though she wasn't born a slave, right? And so they both have had to overcome these trials and tribulations in very different ways. And one of the ways that she, like, overcomes her issues at, like, a young age is she's just, like, a wild child. She decides to be rebellious. She can't be tamed. She's going to live in a man's world and act as wild as she wants and, like, damn the consequences, right? And, um, like, she does things that are, like, extremely scandalous for a woman at the time in the 1800s. She, like, goes to saloons and drinks whiskey. She steals things. She's, like, breaking Mustangs. And, you know, she's doing what would be considered a very, very masculine job. And even now would be considered, you know, very masculine behavior. And it all stems from, you know, her grandfather kicking her out of the house because he was, like, just so over being a parental figure. And was like, you're 18, get out of here. And so she has, like, all of these problems, and so that's the way she deals with them. 
And through this, she, like, makes some enemies. <laughs> She's really lucky to have some friends that are in, you know, pretty influential places. And kind of people are either like, oh, that, that woman's a mess. Like, she's the, she's a whore or whatever. Or, like, people are like, yeah, I wish I could be like her. Like, the two extremes, right? There was, yeah, there wasn't a middle ground between whether or not you were going to love Spring or you were going to hate her in this book. Like, the characters either loved her or hated her. And there was no, she's all right. Yeah, it was very, uh, very rare. And a lot of the time is because um, people seem to really just respect her for being who she was which I think kind of amped her up to be, like, really ballsy. Um, but as we go through and as she starts to, like, soften towards Garrett, she starts to, like, share a lot more about, like, why she is the way she is. And we find out, you know, she's been very sexually abused and physically abused uh, for, like, a long time by this, like, town coward, this, like, yellow-bellied asshole. And, um... So we go through this whole process and towards the end, she and Garrett have like been like, oh, I'm so in love with you. They told each other this. And he at one point says to her, I really want to have kids with you. I want to have babies with you. And she like shuts down completely and is like, I don't want kids ever because she doesn't want, you know, to put a life into the world that would be a burden on her because she was a burden on someone else. And it's like this whole cycle. And so he leaves with his family knowing that like that was something he wanted and he didn't think he could get over it and it took like a whole conversation with his mom of her being like well shouldn't that be her choice and for him to be like you know what you're right like that should be her choice (laughs) it was just a lot to like circle back to because they it it wasn't even like a fight it was just like there was no conversation yeah I liked, though, that we did have a heroine in a romance novel that is a historical that did not want kids and stood her ground and was like, this is not happening. We're not having children. I don't want children. And that he's the one who bent down and was like, you're right. You don't want kids. I can't force that on you. Normally in historicals, it's like we have to have a child because we have to write, you know, keep the family name going or whatever. So I did like that. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the concept of it. I just had a problem with it. As, like, a device to get us to the happily ever after. It kind of was a device to get us there. And then he had to, of course, say, well, wouldn't it be nice to have children who are born free? And I'm like, just because you didn't get to live that life doesn't mean that she didn't. And she felt like a burden because that's what her grandfather made her feel like. Right. And I, like, I get it because that would be something that he would finally feel like he made it in the world as somewhat of an equal, right? to be able to have a family and provide for that family and not have to worry about being enslaved or whatever um, would be a big deal. And so like that as his dream is like a valid thing. I thought that the conversation after the fact was better. The conversation that he had with his mother was better than the conversation that they had prior to him leaving because she was like, I'm not having kids. And he's like, but that's not fair. And then the conversation with his mother made more sense because she was like, you have to put it into this perspective. Like, it's her body. She doesn't want to have kids. She's lived this rough life. You have to let her have a happier life. So I did like that the family, regardless of them not liking that he was going to go from Washington, D.C. to Wyoming, you know, they were going to lose their son. (laughs) (laughs) They were upset about that. But the mom was still like, listen, if you're in love, you have to understand that she has an opinion, too. So I I thought that was a nice touch to it. Because normally in historicals, we have, well, you're going to marry him regardless. It doesn't matter. Well, and it started out that way. Everyone was kind of in these 
uh, arranged marriage type situations. And that was one of the, like, big overarching issues was that no one wanted to marry the person they were being set up with. <laughs> like, there were, like, three or four different couples that it was like, I want to marry them. <laughs> I loved, though, that there was the one character. Was it the grandfather or was it the um, the friend of the grandfather, Odell, who um, had a mail order bride? That he was madly in love with. They loved each other very much. And then she died. And so he got another mail order bride and quickly sent her back. He was like, no, thank you. Yeah. Which, how often do you get mail order brides in romance novels? Like, I know it was a thing. I just haven't ever seen one. Yeah, that's not a very uh, talked about thing for sure. Yeah. So, like, go, go Miss Bev for giving us mail-order bride information in a romance novel. I've never seen it. Would I read another one? Maybe. I might try one. We'll see. I'm not sure. <laughs> another mail-order bride? Like, one? one that's just strictly a mail-order bride as the main character. But it would have to be in a historical setting. I don't think I could do it in a contemporary setting. Yeah, I feel like that would be uh, a little bit weird. That would be like a recipe for disaster. I don't like that. That might be a mob one. It would be a mob one, which leads us to the next... It's like a mafia the one. Ne- that leads us to believe that maybe choosing Western was better than choosing mob. Mafia romances. Maybe. I think I would um, read Dovey's book if she wrote about Dovey. Yeah. I, want to, I know she has another one coming out. I'm going to look and see what it's called because I can't remember. It's called To Catch a Raven. It's coming out this year. It's about a fearless grifter. Dovey was cool. I thought she was a fun... Is it Hazel? You know what? Let's see. Raven Moreau and Braxton Steele. That's a name. (laughs) Braxton Steele? That's not a good name. No. I don't know who Raven is. I do know that the brother... Oh, wait. She's from the first... One we read. Is she? It's been a year. I don't remember. I think so. I do know that she, her all of her worlds are like interconnected. So all of her books, the characters cross over into right. each other. Which is cool, especially since she's been writing for so long and she's such a prolific author. Yeah. So what else about this book that you... Maybe we should go into what you did like. Um. Well, I already talked about my issues with Spring as a character. I don't dislike when we have strong female leads. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I do have a problem when you're mean for the sake of being mean. And yeah, and I would say that, so like her traumatic stuff happened 15 years ago, according to our storyline. And I totally understand her being angry mm-hmm. and rebellious and not trusting men. I totally understand that, right? But at some point, if you're going to be this like independent boss woman you can't take out the anger on matt ketchum which is a stupid name too or your grandfather on every breathing male it's not it's not fair to any other character to be that angry about it like you can be angry and that's fine but you can't take out your grievances against those two men or even three men or however many men it was on all men I think maybe part of the problem, too, is I'm looking at it through a lens of even for that time, she would have been considered old. 
she would have been considered. Yeah. She was 18, right, when she was kicked out of that house. And, like, I'm not agreeing with it. Like, I'm not saying that was a good choice for anybody. But then you find out that she did have other offers of people wanting to help her. And she refused and chose to do this herself. And it was one of the things where it was like she kind of trapped herself into this problem and then let her pride make it worse. Because could she have not slept with the old person? Yeah. Like not lost her virginity to the old man to get a job? Absolutely. Could she have left the second that the old guy was like, yeah, you're going to fuck my son? Like, yeah, she could have. Or when he, like, started beating the shit out of her. Like, there are a lot of steps here. There was a lot that happened that could have been avoided, and I think she brought a lot of it onto herself for no reason. Right. Like, she just made her own life, she made her own life harder for no reason other than she thought that was the only way. Especially when her reasoning was, like, she didn't want to be a burden on anyone else, and she didn't want to be, like, financially strained or whatever. But she had so many people, from the sound of it, that were well-established in that town that were like, stay with us for a while, we'll find you a job, we'll help you until you do what you need to do. And she's like, like, Ed was obviously someone who was became a partner in business. Odell had plenty of people that would have put her in business, like, just based on, you know, that being his goddaughter. yeah. I do think that she put a lot of that on her on herself that could have been avoided. But I think that without all of those struggles, she would be the person she is. I think she would have been more meek. And that wouldn't have been the character that we were looking for in this book. I don't know. See, we read other historicals where the female lead is very, um, like, bold. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of her, her boldness came from... From being, from allowing herself to be mean. You can be bold and you can be rebellious and you can be a strong character and you can be a strong person without being mean at every turn. Definitely. As someone who used to be incredibly mean all the time (laughs) and has since learned that you can't be mean to everybody and it's not fair to other people to be angry and bitchy at them. And just by being a nicer person, it gets you further along in life. Do I consider myself a strong, independent woman now? Yes. Am I a nicer person? Also, yes. So I feel like she had more growing to do, I think, as a person. Right. How did you feel about Garrett? Um, I liked him a lot. I think, like, the description of him was that he was, like, really bookish. (laughs) And it's weird that he gets that description when his preferred career isn't being a lawyer. Like, because he's well-read, he gets that description. But clearly, he's a large, pretty masculine guy who's, like, calling his carpentry and design. Yeah. And, like, that in itself is a very masculine trait, right? How many female carpenters do we ever read about? Like, none. None. So that was interesting as, like, one of the sticking points of, like, oh, well, he's a nerd. Like, (laughs) he can read and write. And it's like, okay. Well, and it's really weird, too, because now we've talked about his carpentry job. We've talked about him being a lawyer. But he's also writing for a newspaper. It's what they call a sundown paper. So it's what they – it's the newspaper that's, like, your hobby. So it's not your main source of income. You do it for fun. 
So he's doing this for his dad because the paper is his dad's paper that he's doing for funsies. Then he finds out at the end of the book that his dad isn't going to run the newspaper anymore. Yeah. I'm like, so he went out there for no reason? Or are they still going to run the story? Because they never go in that. Well, no, because they published his story. Yeah. But it was like that one moment where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing the paper anymore. And I'm like, but why? (laughs) That's not fair, I don't think. But how much of it was his dad just doing it for fun and then roping his son into it as like a family business type thing? It's it's hard because it sounded like his dad um, really wanted to like make his way and find even footing. And so for a lot of people of color that would have been being involved in things that were very community-based, things that belonged to them, um, like a newspaper, right? Like yeah. those kinds of things were rare. And that would have been a huge deal for his father to be a part of that, right? And so maybe that's why it was such like a regretful tone in that conversation where he's yeah. like, I can't force you to move back and I'm getting rid of the paper anyways. You know, it's like, okay, well that ties that up nicely. How do you feel about how the town of paradise kind of welcomed Garrett in and there without being stuck on the color of his skin? Because I know that, you know, in the East coast, because of, you know, the civil war and everything being black amongst, amongst the whites and having these jobs was not, something that was seen as okay still. Whereas in Paradise, they're like, and? Who cares? I think um, that, like, just historically, the farther west people went and the rougher the country got, the less you could care, right? Because if you could work, if you could haul stuff, if you knew how to do things, you were automatically of value. And so I think the further west we go when we read these things, it's not as big of a deal because who better to learn from than the people who are founding this, right? These yeah. original cowboys were Native Americans and Mexicans and Blacks. And so this is kind of highlighting that, like, these were the original trappers and miners and, mm-hmm. you know, all of this stuff. And that's kind of how most Western towns probably should have been. But as we well know, that's not accurate. Like, even now it's not accurate because when you go to a really small town, it's often very, like, politically (laughs) extreme. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, I mean, I think that ideally if you have a group of people who doesn't have to fall in line or a territory that doesn't have to fall in line like they talked about, right, because Wyoming um, now would be considered pretty, uh, pretty red we're gonna say yeah and um conservative much more progressive version of wyoming just solely based on necessity yeah i am also realizing right now that i chose this as my cowboy romance because i couldn't think of any other one and i just thought of two others by rebecca weatherspoon there's so many on the shelf at a when I went to Barnes and Noble to uh-huh. pick this one up, there's so many cowboy romances, but they're all like not good looking ones, you know? They're like real hokey. Are they all those those weird Diana Palmer ones? I don't know if they're Diana Palmer, but they were the ones with like the classic cover that we're thinking of, right? With the cowboy hat yeah, and, and the, the jeans shirt and he's and looking the over his chest. Yes. I think that's not what our next cover sight. looks like. <laughs> What's this Not thing? All hat, no cattle. 
<laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that saying ever. Really? <laughs> no. I'll have no cat. Like, it's, it's like the, the cowboy bling. <laughs> Like, you wear the hat and the spurs and the big old belt buckle, but you ain't got a ranch. <laughs> Half of Tucson, you mean? Yeah, like South Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like South Tucson. <laughs> yeah. The cowboy boots and the Wranglers and the button downs and the hat, and they still drive a truck and they've never seen a horse in real life. Yeah, you gotta go out to like Vail and Sonoida if you want a real one. <laughs> it's so funny and so bad. <laughs> but so accurate. <laughs> yeah, that was so something that like, I, growing up on the Far East side was like, you could tell who was a real one and who wasn't just because their boots. <laughs> they All right, Kat, are you ready? This is the cover of our next one. Oh my gosh, I know. I mean, he's got a shirt on. <laughs> Thankfully, it's a t-shirt and it's not open. It's not like a weird white, it's always a white button down. Have you noticed that? First of all, I don't or think like that that's what they really wear. really light blue. Yeah. Okay, you can't wear white on a ranch, first off. There's no way in hell it would stay clean. You'd be dirty I the instant like you stepped outside. I feel like a lot of it outside. is just denims, right? And plaids. Denims and plaids, especially like in my hometown. Flannels, maybe? It was all denims and plaids. Like no, solid. Well, we didn't do flannels because it was hot. Yeah. That's just bizarre. You got those pearl buttons. The snap buttons. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a big deal. We are literally describing all the shirts my dad wore. (laughs) Yeah. Like, all of them. That's so bad. Oh, no. So I think that we're pretty much done talking about Wild Rain, because you... There's not a lot to talk about, really. I mean... The things happen. Okay, but we completely skipped, like, a bunch of parts. We, We skipped the murder at the end. Cause there's a murder well, at the not, end. Well, yeah, that was kind of a big deal. But like, what leads up to that? So I guess we'll summarize real quick. Real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, just real quick. By the way, I have uh, I made a friend at work, and her name is Annie, and <gasps> she totally talks like Kristen Wiig. And she's like, oh yeah, that's the best because Kristen Wiig's character in Bridesmaids was Annie. I love it. God, it it cracks me up. She's so funny. Shout out to um, Annie. She goes, she goes, are you single? And I was like, yeah. She goes, but are you ready to mingle? <laughs> <laughs> oh like, my what? God. <laughs> it was like our second day of knowing each other. <laughs> Anyways, back to my summary. Um, So um, Matt Ketchum, which makes me mad because I always want to say Ash Ketchum. Um, <laughs> Which is not applicable here at all. Not at all. Um, <laughs> he is, everyone says he's not very smart. He's not very brave. He's, you know, always relied on his daddy. And now his dad's dead. And so he relies on whatever money he has left and whatever. So he comes back into town and there's a whole hell of blue in the saloon because, you know, he's really, really rude to rain. And, um, we're like, oh, that was a terrible encounter. And <laughs> then all of a sudden these people from back east come and they're like hoity-toity uh, white people. Like they have like fancy stagecoach and fancy clothes. And, you know, they clearly don't fit in in this territory. And um, so what's happened is this man, Jarvis, he's like posing. We find out later, which we could all assume. He's posing as this like wealthy investment guy. 
And he's decided he wants to come and buy the land and create, like, build a new, more modern mill. Because they could make so much money chopping down this whole forest and all this stuff, right? And along, so, like, intertwined with that, he's, like, buddy-buddy with Matt. And he has somehow convinced Matt that when Matt's father died and the land reverted to the bank and the bank sold it, that that was an illegal sale of land, even though it wasn't. And they tried to find him and they couldn't find him. And he didn't show up until after the sale of the land happened. And so he's like furious and he's like accusing them of stealing from him. And they're all going to burn in hell and all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. And so they have like this meeting and so Jarvis is like explaining what they're going to do. And they're like, we can sell you railroad bonds. And everyone's like, fuck you. Cause we all know that's a joke. Like we've watched that happen and it's bullshit. And so they refuse and he like loses his shit. So, in the meantime, uh, Matt has been punched in the face and threatened by Garrett. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody, who knows who, has burned down the only standing mill because it was older. And they're, they're pretty sure it was arson because it smells of kerosene. And then some people shoot Garrett in the back as he's riding and he stops to let ducks cross the road, which is like a normative thing to do. And they shoot him like five times in the back, right? And he almost dies, but he doesn't, obviously. Right. Yeah. Because of all people, Ben finds him. Mm -hmm. The mean, evil grandpa finds him and is like, oh shit, and takes him to the doctor, which is Colt, which is his grandson, Rain's Mm -hmm. brother. So that kind of catches up on that. But then, so then we find out that Jarvis and his, who we're told is his daughter and like his assistant, after all of this, they're super mad and whatever, and they're threatening everyone. There's going to be a lawsuit and they've threatened all the wrong people and they flee town after like essentially holding Dovey hostage and stealing all of her money. And she runs the only boarding house in town, right? Yep. And so instead of being, like, hurt or embarrassed, she's just pissed. She's just straight up pissed off. And she, at the beginning, cracked me up. Though I think that's why I liked her. Because when she saw Matt was there, and she was like, I whipped your ass before, and then I did it again, and I'll do it right now. And he was I like, I loved her. What? I loved yeah. her. because she- I think that's why I want her book. Because she doesn't care. And because the saloon owner, Heath, Heath is, like, completely in love with her yes and it would be adorable the saloon owner and the boarding house owner that would be so cute okay so especially like across the street yes so then we have let's see what happens next um garrett heals from his wounds and then spring goes out to the little cabin that they own on the little parcel of land that is part of the quote-unquote stolen land and when she is confronted by Matt Ketchum, right? That's who it was that confronted her. And some shit's yeah. about to go down. But then the old grumpy grandpa comes out and saves the day. And he kills. And like in a crazy way. Like a like bear. He's like, he, where is he that he sees this happen, right? But yeah. he walks out there and he's like unstoppable, right? So he's just, like, walking towards him, and Matt's a coward asshole. Yep. And shoots him in the chest. But then the grandpa snaps his neck. Which, okay, I've read about this. 
humans should not be able to snap each other's necks easily, which implies that Ben is huge, right? Yeah. And we already know that Matt kind of sucks. And so we're, we're assuming that he's a weak coward because yeah. he relies heavily on his gun, right? Yeah. And so it should be incredibly difficult for someone to not only bodily pick someone up when they've been shot multiple times, um, but to pick someone up that is, you know, I wouldn't say similar in size, but like of of a comparable size. Like he's a grown man. Right? He's a grown adult man. And yeah. he's not like a tiny man. No. Yeah. And so like to pick anyone up that is comparable to your own size is like a huge feat in itself, especially when you're old. Yeah. Because right? Ben's old and he's dying. He's, he's sick. sick. He has like cancer or something. And so yeah. first off, can we talk about how it's not easy to break someone's neck, but your brain is the only thing stopping you from biting your own fingers off. Like you as humans, as humans, we have enough jaw, like force in our jaws to snap our own fingers off. And we don't do it because our brain is literally the only thing saying, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. It's fucking weird to me. Our brain is important for a lot of reasons. And that pretty, you know, <laughs> pretty much sums that up. It ranks pretty high. So, so then Ben kills him. And then Spring is like, oh, no, I have to save my grandfather, even though he was a dick to me my whole life. And instead of instead of rushing to help, get him help, he says, no, just let me go. And he kind of reconciles with her and is like, I'm so sorry for treating you the way that I did. It's my fault that your life is the way it is. And then he dies. Yep. He's just and dead now. in his death, he leaves everything he owns to her as kind of a way to repair mm-hmm. what he took from her 15 years ago. Yeah. Which also tells us that she's about 33, which is pretty old for the 1800s. Yeah. That make, how do, oh, does that make me, like, ancient then? Am I ancient? Well, in the 1800s and before then, like, that's a pretty ripe age, you know? I would have been ancient. Considering that Colt had to go and help with multiple measles outbreaks. Because people <laughs> were dying. Like. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Would you have survived in the 1800s or would you have died at a very young age? I would have died. Um, I would have died. I don't know. I I don't know. Cholera could have taken me out. Measles could have taken me out. I would have died, period. End of story. A simple flu. Just a lot happening that would have made life way too difficult compared to yeah. now. Modern medicine. I love it. Yeah. We're here for it. Science. It's great. <laughs> um, what would you give uh, Wild Rain as a rating, one through five? Ooh, I'm going to go with like a three. Okay. I yeah. gave it a four and a half. 4.5. Okay. Um, so my rating is based on, I think the research was impeccable, just like last time we read one of her books. Um, I think the basic ideas and... Um, like the historic plot, like how it fits within context of other books that we've read mm-hmm. or like things that we know from other reading um, is good. Like in general, it's good. It was my biggest problem was with the characters. And I think um, the like really sharp contrast of how you present yourself in public versus how you are when you're like in love, I guess, was a really hard thing for me. Yeah. I don't know why. Because, like, I I would say that I'm similar, not as mean, 
you're no but like i'm not that person that i am at home or in my bedroom (laughs) in public like you know what i mean so So i think so too though like you and i both have done a lot of growing like in our friendship since we've you know since we began friends we've had those moments of where we can be very mean and we've had those moments where we're very not and i think that we've realized now in our age that we're like we can't be we can't be bitches all the time so i think that i think that it's just spring <laughs> spring needs to grow spring needs to grow as a person before she hits where we're at in life i feel like the older i get the less i care what other people think of me and the less energy i want to put into confrontation same I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> I say it all the time. Like, there's a lot of opportunity where I can be like, the fuck are you talking about? And that's just not worth my time. I'm like, all right, whatever. You do you. <laughs> um, that was yeah. me today at work. I totally get it. So I gave it a four and a half because like I said, based on what I was reading at the time that I read this, I was reading some pretty uh, gnarly, gnarly romances, serial killer yeah. romances. Um, I trick your brain a little bit into being like, this is a beautiful story. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I also read it for our romance book club here in Tucson that I joined. So it was, okay. It was kind of in the middle of some other things. So I was just trying to like, you know, I'm going to read it for the book club and then obviously for the podcast. And that was happenstance. We didn't do that on purpose. So that was fun. But our next book, I've already shown Kat the cover, and it's just as awful as it could possibly be. And it's It looks like uh, the guy's modeled after Luke Bryan. Yes. Oh, it's not good. He's a very country singer-looking kind of dude. Yep, yep, yep. Um, So the next book is called Talk Cowboy to Me by Carolyn Brown, and I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) First off, I- That's part of the fun. I checked it out from the library and it says it's 704 pages and I panicked, but it's not 704 pages because this has a bonus book in it that is longer than the actual book that we're going to be reading. Is it also cowboy themed? Yes. I don't. Oh, weird. Like a two for one. It's like a two for one, but I don't know what the second book is called because nowhere on here does it tell me what the second book is called. Is it by a different author? Yeah. Totally different author. Let's see. Um, It's called... That's really weird. It's like called... Weird Christmas <laughs> anthology, but cowboys. It's called Reckless in Texas by Carrie Lynn Dell. I hate everything that you just said. <laughs> it's that also... doesn't rhyme. And it's... someone named Carrie Lynn wrote it. It's got a sneak peek for another book called Tangled in Texas. Wait, is everything just in Texas? Cat, I don't know. You're the one that picked this you one. You know what they say about Texas. Everything is disgusting in Texas because this guy's last name is Luckadoo. Okay, see, and I don't understand how some people come up with that name and it's like, that's a good name. Like, what did you do? Search the archives for the weirdest name that popped out? His name is Remington Luckadoo. This is for next, this is for two weeks from now. We're going to have this conversation because we've already had this conversation. Who's Remington Steel? <laughs> what? Remington That's Steel? Is that a name? Remington. Yeah, but what's it from? It's Dang. a character of some kind. Remington Steel. 
That's an old, old, old TV drama from 1982. Why do I know that? <laughs> Starring Pierce Brosnan as Remington Steele. Oh, why do I know that? <laughs> I don't know. Anything Southern is like, it's a gun named after. Like, it that's had, all it is. It had five seasons and 94 episodes. It aired for five wow. years. Before he was 007? Yeah, apparently. 1982 to 1987. you can't be Remington Steele and James Bond. Or can you? Are they the same person? You've never seen them in the same room together. They just classed up Remington Steele. <laughs> this is terrible. That was his, like, uh, what do they call it? Like, the CIA gives you new identity. Oh, he went into witness protection. <laughs> yeah, he was Remington Steele. But now he has to go overseas and fight crime as James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. I'm going to do so much research on Remington Steele now. And I think it's time I'm to... I'm not sorry that I put you on that. <laughs> I think it's time to end the recording because the kitten is screaming at me. What's up, little dude? Oh, yeah. He's like, uh, get out of here. Yes, yeah, so um, join us next time as we discuss Talk Cowboy to Me. And uh, until then, remember, bad bitches read romance. Bye! Bye.